Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Bill Press and Friends. On the District Productive Network. Just indeed, the, the, the dreaded CBO report is out, and it is as bad as we expected it. It really rips into the Republican um, plan for health care and shows what a disaster it would be for millions and millions and millions of America. But uh, I, I, I don't back up again, because I think I want to make this point every single day, you know, at the briefing yesterday, we heard it over and over and over again from Sean Spicer and from uh, even from Donald Trump yesterday. In fact, when he had his phony listening session, we'll get to that a little more, more about that a little bit later. Uh, he says right away, makes the point that Obamacare is just falling apart. In fact, Donald Trump said, my advice to Republicans was, let's not do anything this year. Let's just wait another year. Here he is. And if we let it go for another year, it'll totally implode. In fact, I've told the Republicans, why don't you just let it go for another year? That way, everybody will really understand how bad it is. Yeah. So there he is. And Sean Spicer repeating that same point at the briefing at least three times yesterday. He said Obamacare is collapsing. That's the word he used. Collapsing on its own. It's collapsing. You know what? That is a great, big, fat lie. Paul Ryan makes the same point. Donald Trump, Sean Spicer, Tom Price, all of them. They're basing their entire effort, in fact, all the Republicans do, they're basing their entire effort to repeal and replace on the idea that Obamacare is not working. And I, I, I've told you this before, I'm gonna, we, have to, I, we have to keep repeating it and reminding other people, too. That is just not true. And you know, we were first to admit, I'm the first to admit, Obamacare is not perfect. I don't like it in the first place. But it still is getting us closer to universal health care than we've ever been before, to more affordable health care than we've ever been before, and it is working. 12 million people signed up for the exchanges for this year. 12 million Americans, Americans and their families, people who could never afford health insurance before, they signed up this year despite all the talk about repeal. They still signed up. You know why? Because they need it. And they're benefiting from it, and their families are benefiting from it, and they have coverage, and they're taking advantage of it. And another 11 million people were able to get Medicaid under the expanded terms of Obamacare. So you add that up. That's 22, 23 million people. Don't tell me Obamacare is not collapsing. It is not collapsing. And by the way, that doesn't count. The millions of young people who have health coverage because they're still on their parents' plans. So you add to that, and you're getting up probably close to 35 million is the last uh, estimate I saw for young people. You're getting up to close to 30 million Americans who now enjoy health insurance, enjoy that protection, 
again, who could never afford it before and never had it before. Uh, and cost overall um, of, um, of uh, health care uh, are coming down. There are good plans out there. People are taking advantage of them. The only thing better would be single payer. Maybe we'll get there someday. But in the meantime, Obamacare is strong. It is working. And if only more governors, Republican governors, uh, had allowed for a state exchange and made it easier for people to sign up, those numbers would be a lot higher. So just every time you hear them say Obamacare is collapsing, just know, great big fat lie. Now, let's look at that Congressional Budget Office report. It is devastating. It should be, it really should be the nail in the coffin for the Republican uh, Paul Ryan or plan or Trump care, whatever you want to call it. According to the Congressional Budget Office, and remember, this is the independent, nonpartisan, totally, let's look at the facts, ma'am, just the facts. And they do that for every major piece of legislation. In fact, I think they do it for every piece of legislation. We hear about it only for the big bills. And here's what they say, and they have studied this plan. They've turned it inside out. Next year, immediately, 14 million Americans will lose their health coverage. You're one of those families that signed up for the, for the state exchange or through the federal exchange for Obamacare. 14 million of you are going to lose your coverage. And, and again, let's, that, that, that's just a number, right? No, but these are real people with real families and real problems and real illnesses, and they need that c coverage. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine where, m for my family, for your no, family, where no. we would be if we didn't know that what, somebody gets sick, we can go see a doctor. We don't have to wait until they're almost dying and go to the emergency room. You know, I, I keep coming back to this conversation that you were having with Peter Fenn yesterday uh, on the show because... This just shows how, not just out of touch, which, yes, the Republicans are out of touch, not just unnecessarily cruel, which, yes, they are unnecessarily cruel, but also just how bad at governing oh, yeah. they are. I mean, Peter made the point yesterday, there's a reason that the Republicans are not known as the governing party. I mean, this is a system which is... Could use some tweaking, could use some fixing, yeah. the Affordable Care Act. And their solution is to just get rid of it. I, I listened to a lot of Republican politicians yesterday who were upset with Paul Ryan <clears throat> because this didn't go far enough. They want nothing, nothing. And I heard the uh, uh, the OMB director for, for Trump, Mulvaney, Mulva who was oh, yeah, saying, you know yeah. what we need to do here is we need to – Go back to where the 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 uh, insurance companies are running things on their own because that spurs competition, oh, yeah. which means that prices oh, yeah. will go down. And that's just not true. We've been there before. Oh, we yeah. know yeah. how that works. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't work well. No, the insurance companies really, really took care of people when they had it all to their own. It wasn't that long ago that we had that system, and that's why we yeah. had to fix it. Right. So back to CBO, $14 million next year lose their coverage by 2026, right? That's uh, in the next decade. Man. 24 million lose their coverage. Uh, they do say it'll pair $337 billion off the federal budget. Yeah, but you know why? <laughs> because 
fewer people are being covered. Uh, and so the government is spending less money on taking care of people's, uh, making sure people can afford their own health care. Those subsidies are gone. That's uh, saving that money. And instead, they're giving the $600 billion tax break to the wealthiest and, of course, $54 billion more to the Pentagon next year. And by the way, under this congressional budget report, average premiums go up 15 to 20 percent. So this is the, this is the CBO again. Should be the nail in the coffin. And by the way, it it, 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 it they they break it down to who's going to be hurt by this particularly. People are going to be particularly hurt by this are seniors, uh, who by the way use healthcare more than younger people. Uh, that's that we've talked about here all this week. That's what insurance is all about. But it gives two examples. Okay, uh, this sort of puts it in perspective. I think. Today, under Obamacare, a 21-year-old out there in the workforce, just out of college, I guess, or maybe not even out of college, making $26,500, health insurance would cost $5,100, and after the subsidies, that young person would pay $1,700. Under the Republican plan, that young person would pay $1,450. That's a good deal for him or her, right? Uh, look at a 64-year-old today under Obamacare making the same amount of money, $26,500. For that someone that age, health insurance is a lot more expensive, $15,300 for a plan. But with the subsidies, that senior today under Obamacare would pay the same amount as the young guy, $1,700. Yeah. Under the Republican plan? That 64-year-old plan would cost $19,500. Wait, he or she is making $26,000. They'd have to pay $19,500 for health insurance under the Republican plan. There it is, spelled out. And how can anybody defend this plan? That alone should be a non-starter. Totally. Okay, well, we can't do this because we can't charge 64-year-olds. $19,000. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When they're only making $26,000. Or we can't do this because 26, 24 million Americans are going to lose their coverage. Particularly, again, when Donald Trump promised over and over and over again. Chuck Schumer made this plan, this point yesterday. It was Donald Trump during the campaign who said, everybody's going to be coverage. They're going to pay less. And they're going to get a better plan. Chuck Schumer. Remember when President Trump was a candidate? He said everyone will be covered and costs will go down. We now know that he had no intention of keeping either promise. Uh, In fact, I just realized, Jamie, that we have Donald Trump himself. Uh, Chuck Schumer is quoting him from 60 Minutes. This is in September uh, 2015. Interviewed by Scott Pelley. Everybody's got to be covered. This is an unrepublican thing for me to say, because a lot of times they say, no, no, the lower 25 percent, they can't afford private. But universal health care. I am going to take care of everybody. I'm, I don't care if it costs me votes or not. Everybody's going to be taken care of much better than they're taking care of now. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, of course, that raises the question. Can you believe anything Donald Trump says? Um, this this actually came up at the press briefing yesterday because 
in the last couple of days, we've seen, okay, Donald Trump said, President Obama ordered my phones to be bugged. Well, did he really mean it or not, right? Certainly hasn't shown any evidence. Then Donald Trump said, of course, we know during the campaign, job numbers. Anytime you hear job numbers, they're phony. Don't believe them. Job numbers came out last week for February, and he says, these are the greatest job numbers I've ever seen. They're by the same agency. So, but And Sean Spicer says, well, they used to be phony, but now they're real. All right. So you get in this question of can you believe them or not believe them? Peter Alexander had that exchange with uh, Sean Spicer, and Sean Spicer says, here's when you can believe Donald Trump. Here's when you know you can trust him. Can you say affirmatively that whenever the president says something, we can trust it to be real? If he's not joking, of course. <laughs> I mean, but in that case, hold on. But but no, no, you're asking. Hold on. Start over again with joking. You can okay, hear no, the no, laughter in the briefing room. I mean, he every time that he speaks authoritatively, he that he speaks, he's that he's speaking as president of the United States. Like, uh oh. So if he's not joking, so now I guess we need like a little flag over that he holds up when I, if he says something. I'm not joking now. This is just not funny. Yeah. If he's not joking, of course. Like, of course. This is just not funny. So I guess on 60 Minutes he was joking. I guess. Now like we to, know he was joking. To, 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 he's the president of the United States. To be Sean Spicer and to cook in this uh, excuse for any time that this dumbest president ever says something stupid that nobody can defend, they just go, oh, he was just joking. It was yeah. just a joke. Yeah. You guys just want to make sure you get it right. Yeah, you guys have no sense of humor. He was clearly joking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Again, how do we know? when he's joking? Peter Alexander has been doing a good job. He's made that point. Remember, yeah. he asked the president that that very same question. When can we trust him? When can we not, not trust you? He asked the president at uh, that one news conference that Trump has had since he's been in the White House. Uh, as we mentioned, the Congressional Budget Office report out yesterday. Um, Mark Mark Halsen from uh, the Center for American Progress uh, had hoped to join us in studio, but uh, here we are on a snow day like this. Not everybody can make it through. She joins us, however, on our news line this morning. Hi, Mark. Good to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. So we waited and waited for the CBO report to come out. It came out late yesterday afternoon. Uh, what does it tell us about the Republican health care plan? It confirms that it's a really terrible plan. <laughs> There's <laughs> really nothing nothing good for the Republicans in this, no matter how they want to spin it. Uh, nothing good for the American people in it either, I guess, huh? Nope, not at all. Not at all. Give us the headlines. Um, the headlines are um, there's going to be, if this went into effect, um, up to 24 million people will become uninsured um, in the next decade. And before the um, before 2018, um, we're looking at about 14 million. So it's catastrophic in terms of coverage numbers, and it only gets worse as time goes on. Which means also, right, that the number of uh, uninsured in this country, which has gone down dramatically under Obamacare, will go back up, correct? Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, right now, thanks to Obamacare, we have 10% uninsured in this country. Um, obviously, that would be lower if a lot of um, Republican governors and legislatures would expand Medicaid. And um, CBO estimates that we'd go up back up to numbers approaching 20% uninsured, so be about 18.5% uninsured. So it's just, I mean, it, millions of people will lose coverage, and the people who are stay covered will likely have worse coverage. 
Uh, and I think that's also another piece of the of the of the story that you know the top line numbers don't really show. I have seen uh, some Republicans say, "Well, this has good news in it because uh, the three three hundred and thirty it's going uh, the GOP plan will shave three hundred and thirty seven billion dollars off the budget, off the deficit." Sorry. Uh, do, does it, and how so? It it does. Um, it absolutely does reduce the deficit by three hundred thirty-seven billion dollars, but it cuts Medicaid spending by eight hundred and eighty billion dollars over ten years. Um, and that's just so much; it almost doesn't even seem to make sense. Like it's just, the number is almost too large to comprehend. But it's a twenty-five percent reduction in federal Medicaid spending over ten years, and that is just going to be devastating to. Millions and millions of Americans. Which means um, a lot of people who might uh, have been able to join Medicaid will not be able to, correct? And those who are on it will see uh, lower coverage? Yes. I mean, absolutely. It ends the Medicaid expansion um, that Obamacare put in place. And in addition, these cuts are much deeper than just um, rolling back the expansion. It means that there's going to be states will have to cut eligibility standards, perhaps have waiting lists. Um, I mean, and, you know, people forget that Medicaid covers children, pregnant women, elderly, disabled people. And all of those people are going to see service reductions if this goes into effect. Now, uh, you've seen the story right, and started uh, well before the report came out yesterday. Uh, even over the weekend, the White House and uh, Paul Ryan and company trashing the CBO, saying you can't believe a word they say. Anyhow, after all, uh, before Obamacare was adopted, they they uh, had estimated something like 36 million people would be covered and covered. And now, look, you know, it's only like around 20 million. So they were wrong then and they're wrong now. Uh, to what extent is CBO a reputable, believable organization? I mean, you know, it's. It it is reputable. It is nonpartisan. And, you know, it, these, these, um, these calculations, these simulations are incredibly complex. I mean, a large part of why CBO's score was a little off in the beginning was because, um, I mean, look at the number of people who remain uninsured because, people have, because Republican governors haven't expanded Medicaid. Now, there's other reasons for the score being wrong, but it also is really the one benchmark that we can use to evaluate the impact of legislation on the millions of Americans it will affect. Um, and of course, you know, they were trashing the CBS score. And then late last night, um, an internal White House document leaked showing their estimate of 26 million people would become uninsured. So, you know, I think that everybody agrees that there's going to be massive losses of coverage here. But for some people, that doesn't matter. And that's really, really, really disturbing. I think uh, what we have, what the the bottom line on this is that um, the Republicans will agree with the CBO when they like what they say and disagree with them and trash them when they're not happy. It, it's like what Sean Spicer said the other day at the briefing about the uh, the, the, the job numbers. numbers. Yeah, they yeah. were fake before, but they're real now. Yeah, or they're fake now and they were real before. Right. Either way, it right, works. right, right. That little. Right. That equation works in either direction. <laughs> well, I think it's also important to remember that this CBO director was, you know, nominated and appointed by Tom Price. I mean, it, and Boehner. This was somebody put in who was supposed to be their man. So to the extent that, you know, there's any 
I mean, just their claims of bias are ridiculous. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Nikki Schwab from the Daily Mail joins us for this half hour. Hello, Nikki. Nice Good to morning, see you. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? With all your snow boots on. and yep, your, yep, yep. Yep. We talked a bit, little bit about this the last half hour. And Nikki, I'd love to get your take on Steve King uh, and his latest. <sighs> uh, we, we can play it one more time. He, he puts out his tweet. Saying that these these Dutch people ought to know better. They've got to have to, the white Dutch have to start having babies. They can't depend on the babies of those dark skinned people, right, to save their civilization. Uh, he's on Chris Cuomo yesterday on CNN New Day, and Chris says, "You certainly don't mean that, do you?" <laughs> well, of course, I meant exactly what I said, as it always is the case, Chris. And to expand on that a little further, um, I've, I've been to Europe and I've spoken on this issue. And I've said the same thing as far as 10 years ago uh, to the German people and to any population of people that is a declining population that doesn't, isn't willing to have enough babies to reproduce themselves. And I've said to them, you cannot rebuild your civilization with somebody else's babies. You've got to keep your birth rate up and that you need to teach your children your values. And in doing so, then you can grow your population and you can strengthen your culture. You can strengthen your way of life. So there is the rule. White people have babies. Black and brown people don't. Well, he said, Nothing racist he, about he that, said, is there? Bill, that it was about culture and not race. Oh, but, oh, but then David Duke chimed in and said, God bless. <laughs> and so when David Duke says, God bless, you probably should maybe walk back from that comment. I would just say that's a good rule. Anytime that you agree, find yourself agreeing with David Duke, you should probably question. When he's piggybacking on your tweets, it's yeah. like time to potentially walk away. Yeah. But you know, you know what I thought was sort of interesting? Um, if you... Look at this full transcript of the Cuomo interview. He also notes that the fact that that we in America need to be producing, you know, more, I guess, white babies or, you know, American cultured babies is because of abortion. Like we've aborted all these babies and then now we need to replace them with, I assume, more American babies and not illegal immigrant babies. Me, I mean that. That's uh, it's so. You just gotta yeah. put in all the talking points at once. I know into a blender, and that was that interview. That's to, what happened. You don't know where to start with a comment like that, right? I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I sort of laughed because Anna Navarro came on CNN right after this, and she had this sort of great response, like, "Oh yeah, he's been a racist for years." <laughs> he just, he just was like, and, and whoever was, uh, was on, you know, was the moderator at that point was just like, "Oh." Oh, okay. We're just going to go there. Ana Navarra, who's obviously a Republican, but has been sort of this truth teller oh, no, of, she's great. of the GOP her. at this point. She you know, it. all the way through the primary. Tr- Trump is an idiot. Why are we yeah. doing this? Like, she was just like, yeah, Steve King's a huge racist. If you want to have just... <laughs> any credibility at all, you have to call things for what they are. And that statement is a racist statement. It just is. And. You know, everybody's just dying for a reason to say that he misspoke yeah. or that maybe he should change his ways. He's a racist. He always has been. He's not going to change. 
We can stop dancing around it. Just call it what it is. I, I kind of wish that this same exchange would have happened on like Fox and Friends because I think that if if because obviously Cuomo is is a big Democrat and his brothers you know the governor of New York whatever but if it, I think it, it would have been a better sort of delivery device had it come from somebody more on the conservative side being like no dude like I, are you sure you want to say that because I you know I I think you can still sort of walk away from the conversation and be like well it was liberal versus conservative and he he was misinterpreting his remarks when it's like no his remarks are pretty bad are you kidding if he said it on fox and friends they would say right on yeah right yeah i mean they they probably would but it would be nice if 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 they perhaps wouldn't (laughs) um so we are 54 days into the trump presidency (sighs) we're all exhausted yeah yeah all right uh what's your take so far on what we've learned about donald trump's style of governing uh, I feel like he, whenever he sort of gets in hot water, or perhaps that, maybe not even whenever he gets in hot water, but you know, I, I think that that wiretapping tweet is sort of indicative of his gover- governing style. Like things seem to be like sort of chugging along okay, and then he's like, "I'm just going to write something, and it's going to completely derail." You know, if I've done anything sort of good that week, I mean, he was coming off, I believe, the the sort of pseudo state of the union, and completely sort of shot himself on the foot. By, you know, doing that and, and doing these other sort of things that, that everyone in D.C. It, it just sort of baffles them. Like, why why would you even bring these things up? So, so the style of governing is kind of uh, um, all over the place. All, yeah. All it's over all the over the place. place. And I and I think, you know, I, I think that, you know, with every administration, you see people sort of try and get their sea legs. But, you know, we voted in a guy who hasn't had any experience doing this. And we're seeing what that result looks like. And it looks like, you know, these these news cycles that sort of never end. Where, you know, two weeks later, we're still talking about this, you know, this whole wiretapping thing. And, and you know, we just, I don't know, it just seems like sort of a mess, right? It does I to mean, me. I mean, I, I, that's... But the other thing is, it's a perpetual motion machine. Right? Yeah. It's he, they, he goes from meeting with this group to meeting with that group to meeting with this to making a telephone call to this world leader. Boom, 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 boom. What 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 you don't see, um, and I can't believe it's going on when we when it's just not on the schedule. Is any time to seriously study issues or listen to expert opinions? Yeah. I mean, like like Barack Obama used to do almost too much of right, taking time to really understand a problem before say anything about it. And I kind of not Donald Trump. I mean boom. And I and I sort of feel he like he sees something on television and then this and that's it. That's the extent of his background, briefing, thought about it, <laughs> analysis of it, whatever. And it's they, no deeper than that. They sort of put people in front of Trump too to sort of repeat what he already assumes. Like yesterday was like Obamacare horror stories. I don't think anybody in that room would have was was sort of picked to defend the law or defend sort of the good parts of the law. I mean, all these people were like, "Well, this is how Obamacare screwed me." And then whenever you it know, it was a total phony photo op. Exactly. And then with, uh, I thought it was really interesting that you know one of the first healthcare meetings was with with like basically Tea Party activists. I mean, and these people yeah. never wanted Obamacare to begin with. I mean, right. it was literally the same group of people that that sort of initiated the movement, got people to town halls to yell at Democratic lawmakers, you know, in the run-up to 2010 whenever the American, uh, the Affordable Care Act passed. 
So, and it's interesting, too, because Trump has signed a series of executive orders, but my understanding is a lot of them really don't do much. So it feels it feels a little bit like smoke and mirrors where, you know, he's saying he's doing all these things. But, you know, will we get a health care bill passed? I, I kind of doubt it, or at least not what they're proposing now. I mean, it, it just sort of seems like it, it's all of this is sort of done for show and for the media, but nothing's really actually happening. On the Hill, uh, as if there's not enough turmoil and kind of back and forth among Republicans about the health care bill with uh, House Republicans split on it and Senate Republicans are not too happy with it. Now there's a new factor, which is a tape. Paul Ryan himself talking on a tape saying on a, to, to his Republican members uh, last October that he would not defend Donald Trump, not now and not ever. Scott Wong covers all of this for The Hill, joining us in studio. Hello, Scott. Good to see you. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. So uh, who leaked this tape on Paul Ryan? Well, that's a good question. I I assume it was somebody on the call. Now, this was a a conference call, if you remember, back in October, weeks before the election. It was the, I remember it very clearly, it was the Monday after the Access Hollywood tape came out. Paul Ryan was reacting to the Access Hollywood tape, held a conference call with all of his members, 240-something members, and said, apparently on this tape, that he was not going to support or defend Donald Trump anymore. All right, here he is, Paul Ryan, on that tape as your speaker. As for myself as your speaker, I am not going to defend Donald Trump. Not now, not in the future. Could not be more clear, right? (laughs) We we knew we knew he basically said as much, but it's different to hear the actual words and to hear his voice on the tape. It it it's you know it's a, a little more serious. It's a little more in your face, I think. So why would whoever so whoever had this tape has had it since somebody taped the call, which is probably not allowed, right? I mean, not, I'm not saying it's illegal, I, I but they're not supposed to do it. They must agree they're not going to. I think it's fairly easy to tape the call. I mean, somebody probably just yeah, put right. it on speakerphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you do this all the time as a reporter. Right, use my iPhone to record something. I mean, it's it's fairly easy. But, but aren't they probably asked ahead of time that this is an off-the-record call? I mean, <laughs> Right. I mean, all of the GOP closed-door conference meetings are technically yeah. off-the-record. Right. Okay. And reporters learn what's happening in them, like, by yeah. the minute as members are texting us information from inside the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so they, there are leaks. no secrets in leaks. Washington. All these leaks. So, uh, but my point is, so whoever had this, they didn't tape it yesterday. They taped it last October. They've had it right. since last October. What is your take? You know how this place operates. Why would they release it yesterday? Well, think about where we are. We're right in the middle, in the throes of this big fight over the GOP health care bill. And conservatives have been up in arms over certain provisions of it. They think it doesn't go far enough and, and doesn't actually repeal Obamacare like they promised voters they were going to do. Uh, they want to see it completely gut Obamacare, and, and they think it leaves too many provisions intact. And so Ryan is, is in a, a tough spot here. And it adds one additional complication in a very already complicated situation for the speaker 
and the GOP whip Steve Scalise and and their entire leadership team. So they're really they're releasing it not to help Paul Ryan, not to help the bill, but to try to scuttle the bill, right? By getting Paul Ryan in hot water. I mean, that's my read of it. I don't have evidence of that, but oh, given yeah. the timing of it, uh, you know, we are in they they just passed uh, this bill out of two committees last week. Uh, it's scheduled to head to a third committee, the budget committee, this week. So we're right in the thick of it. Uh, this thing is moving forward. Ryan does not want any changes. We didn't see any changes made to the bill last week. Uh, there are some behind-the-scenes negotiation happening with the Freedom Caucus, but maybe it gives the Freedom Caucus and Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan, uh, an, you know, a little extra help in in terms of being able to make the case for changes to the bill. What impact do you think the release of this tape will have on Ryan's relationship with Donald Trump? It depends on how Donald Trump reacts, uh, (laughs) which is very unpredictable. I mean, I think Donald Trump knows that Paul Ryan was not on board with him throughout the entire campaign. In That's fact, not Donald a Trump said some pretty nasty things about Paul Ryan. Right, there's a history there. Yeah. Uh, but we had never we had never heard what Paul Ryan Bill's was saying. Bill's mixing up his gin I'm cocktail, by the way. Sorry, for those of you that are listening. Okay. He's just, just, I'm sorry, never it's, too early. I'm sorry, it's a snow day. It's bourbon. you got to <laughs> stay warm. <laughs> no, but, I mean, we had never heard. We had heard what Paul Ryan had said publicly about Donald Trump. And he, he would do it very diplomatically, and, and he would weigh in at certain times. We never heard what Paul Ryan was saying behind right. closed doors about Donald Trump. But didn't Trump say about Paul Ryan as an ineffective leader, or yeah. weak leader? I mean, it, it, it's been a—I mean, it's been a complicated relationship to say the least. I mean, remember the after he won his first big meeting with Paul or his first big appearance with Paul Ryan? Did he did he say he was an acquired taste and that he grew on him like a fine like wine? Like a fine wine. Isn't yeah. that like it, it, yeah. so? Like Trump. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's hard to figure out what he's actually thinking, right? But the the whole relationship with Paul Ryan is almost like a like a Don Draper type relationship, where it's just like I, I don't even think about you. Paul Ryan is just like, oh, Mr. President, I know that you're worried about this thing that I said, and Trump's just like, I never even think about you. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? But of course, you know, and, and we don't know how Donald Trump's going to react. My my belief is that he he'll just shrug it off. After all, he's already held one on one meetings now with. Lindsey Graham with um, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz. Yep. everybody but Jeb Bush, I think, right? Oh. Right, Mitt Romney, Lil, yeah. <laughs> Mitt Romney and Bloody. Little Marco. You know, exactly. All, all of whom he lampooned. Has he met with Carly? I'm not even sure. But Carly came around and endorsed him, didn't she, in the end? Yeah, Everybody did. did. Right, <laughs> right. So, I mean, they, they have a way of kind of, you know, putting... Right. The election changed a lot in terms of all right. these all right, difficult So we don't know what impact this... Uh, this tape is going to have on um, on the relationship between Donald Trump and Paul Ryan. What impact will the CBO report, long awaited, which came out yesterday, have on passage of the Ryan plan through the House? Now, the CBO report, I think, adds a huge wrinkle in this thing. Uh, you had Republicans in the Senate. You know, not not your your moderates, more more your conservative. Some of your conservative guys, like Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, who was saying these are horrible, awful numbers. Uh, Lindsey Graham says, you know, l- let's say like this is uh, exact. These numbers are exaggerated just a little bit. Even if you cut that number twenty four 
million uninsured in half, it's still a bad number, and we need to really slow things down. And so this just adds more, this just hands more ammunition for opponents of this, whether you're on the, on the right or the left. Uh, to, to to at least slow it down. Maybe. Slow it down, and or start. You know, some people have called for for them to start over. Which, I mean, you know, if if that would be disastrous, I think, for the Republican Party if they tried to start this over it would at kill. this point. Well, it only it, took them seven years to get here, so yeah. starting over would what mean another seven years? And it and there's no guarantee at that point that you get it right either. So you basically right screw your entire calendar. And then, you know, you, you don't have time to even make an attempt at tax reform or tax cuts. Uh, that would be a real problem for the party. So the CB, I mean, uh, the White House and um, White House, Trump, Sean Spicer, Mike Pence and Mike Mulvaney, the um, Mick Mulvaney, Mick yeah. Mulvaney the, OMB. Uh, OMB and Tom Price, HHS secretary, all were out yesterday not disputing the numbers much it's just trashing the credibility of the CBO. You can't believe the CBO. They were wrong right. about Obamacare and they're wrong about Trump care. And they've been doing that for the past week, week and a half. I and, mean anticipating of, a bad report, right? Anticipating a bad report, launching these sort of preemptive strikes against the CBO. What a lot of people have already pointed out on in in stories and on Twitter is that this the CBO director, uh Keith Hall is a former George W. Bush administration uh, official uh, who was actually hired by Tom Price when he was serving as budget chairman and other House Republicans. So uh, they, are, they are taking aim more at the institution of the CBO rather than the guy respons- you know, whose, whose name is at the top of the report. <laughs> The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends and neighbors, what do you say? You know, we all value the First Amendment, of course, but with free speech comes responsibility. Yeah, in other words, if you accuse somebody of a serious crime, you have the responsibility of backing it up with some real evidence. That's true for you and me. That's also true for the President of the United States. Ten days ago... Donald Trump accused President Obama of ordering, personally ordering, a wiretap of his phones at Trump Tower. That was 10 days ago. And yet, as of today, Trump has still not provided one shred of evidence. Not only that, he refuses to talk about it and says that Congress should conduct an investigation, which is nonsense, outrageous. Look, Congress wouldn't hold any hearings if you or I made such a reckless charge, and they shouldn't do so for Donald Trump either. Enough is enough. It's time for Donald Trump to do what John McCain said, either retract his charge or provide the evidence. Not even the president should be be allowed to falsely accuse any other American of committing a crime without paying the consequences. For Donald Trump, it's time to put up or shut up. This is the Bill Press Show. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. 
They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.